it off. And then this nice young locum said to me, he said, I don't think you're doing that right. I think we could have done this, this, and this different. And I was sort of the team leader and had been there a long time. And was, you know, my initial thought was, oh, this locum's telling me how to suck eggs. <laughs> and um, and but he was he was nice enough to send me a link to a to a podcast that he'd heard that was um Scott Weingart actually the Encrypt podcast, okay. one of his early ones back in the day on um, trauma resus. Welcome to episode 49 of the Ups and Gyne Quick Gear Podcast. Uh, hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. This week I have a, um, a guest on the show, um, someone who uh, I've um, talked to in the past and helped me get into this um, business myself, um, Casey Parker. He's a GP anaesthetist, uh, works in emergency medicine and what else? You, how else would you describe yourself, Casey? Oh, a bit of bit of everything, like yep. ED, HDU and anaesthetics basically. Yep. yep, and so he works up in Broome uh, and I met Casey a few years back, I think initially when he was visiting the hospital here, but... Um, I actually can't remember. I, I remember listening to his podcast uh, a few times a few years ago, and after a few years, I thought this sounds like a great great thing to get into. So, uh, in case he seems to come down here about once a year, uh, visits us for a week or so, and uh, so I cornered him today. Um, he's cornered me first, actually, and got a, <laughs> got me to do a podcast for him, and then I've cornered him. We're gonna we're gonna do a reciprocal agreement, and I thought I'd just pick his brains and get him to tell us. Uh, the backstory about how he got into all this um, foam ed and uh, podcasting and uh, tell us some interesting anecdotes uh, what, about what he's learned along the way. Yeah, thanks, Rog. Thanks for having me. Um, I always say that I, I love to come down to King Eddie's not so much to upskill and learn new tricks, but to remind myself of all the scary stuff you guys deal with and make me stay out in the country where it's safer. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes I think it's the other way around. You know, I have worked in a previous life, I worked in the country, and uh, it's scarier when you're in, in the middle of nowhere and you know that you're the only person for a long, long way away. So I've got a lot of respect for what you guys do out in the country. Thank you. Yeah, so I, I got into podcasting way, way back 2011, and um, I think it was a matter of being in the right place at the right time. Um, the FOMED sort of free open access medical education community was pretty small then, and it was based just over the way here at Charlie's. So a lot of the sort of people that initiated this whole thing were, were at uh, Charlie Gardner's Hospital here in Perth. And okay. um, um, I'd worked with a few of them doing some ultrasound stuff and some ED upskilling over there at their department and got to know a few of them. And um, a few of them just encouraged me and said, you know, you've got some good stories. Why don't you teach us about it? And, and the rest is sort of history. So I thought this is a great opportunity to sort of bridge that big geographic divide that a lot of country doctors seem to struggle with. And we always complain about being out on our own, but in the 21st century, no one's really alone. Like we're all just a phone call or a podcast or a tweet away. Yeah, that's that. right. Yep. It's great. Hmm. Cool. Yep. Um, so tell me, so uh, was there some uh, something that triggered you to get to, to start your own podcast? Or were you when you first started, you were contributing or helping out with other people? And then what... what yeah, what, so what did you do when you started? It, it was quite funny actually. I had um, when my second son was born, I had a bit of time off from medicine. I took a few months off to sort of help at home and yep. and, and be the home dad, and sort of been away from work for a while and hadn't really done much. And then when I went back to work, we had this uh, nice young locum. His name's Russ. G'day, Russ, if you're out there listening, <laughs> Russ Garner. And he was up working with us. And um, I remember we had a, a really nasty trauma one night with us. Uh, lady had unfortunately sort of gotten drunk and wandered onto the road and got hit by a Prado and got taken out and you know that's something that happens in the country and we sort of all deal with it and we've all sort of done resuscitations like that 
And I just did my normal thing, which I'd been trained to do sort of 10 years prior and, you know, probably gave her a, a truckload of crystalloid and um, did a pretty standard RSI without thinking too much about the hemodynamics and, and sort of went through all of that. And then the recess went, you know, okay, as well as it could do for where we were. We got it packaged up and bundled off. And then this nice young locum said to me, he said, I don't think you're doing that right. I think we could have done this, this, and this different. And I was sort of the team leader and had been there a long time. Was, you know, my initial thought was, oh, this locum's telling me how to suck eggs. <laughs> and um, and but he was he was nice enough to send me a link to a to a podcast that he'd heard that was um Scott Weingart actually the MCRIP podcast, okay. one of his early ones back in the day on um, trauma resus. And I had to listen to that and, and went away and thought, you know, I haven't actually changed my practice for ten years, and maybe it is time to take a step back and and look at it all and um and started reading and listening to all these sort of new opinions that were coming out and and uh <clears throat> decided to sort of think there's no reason why someone should have a different level of care because they happen to be in Broome or Geraldton or Albany um as a result of my lack of knowledge or my lack of recent education and so obviously there's some things that you can't do in small hospitals but a lot of things you can do like putting the patient in an optimal head position or giving them a balanced sort of resuscitation. These are yeah. all things that we can do. And so I, th I think my, my goal was to sort of try and cut that knowledge translation down so that distance wasn't a, an issue anymore. Yeah, no, great. Yeah, and I've listened to Scott's um, podcast and he's a very enthusiastic and entertaining um, um, uh, podcast host. And there's a lot of interesting things I've learned as well yeah. uh, over the last few years. So, yeah. um, so I've got a few other questions. Um, so what... what uh, what have you learnt, or what are sort of the things that you've learnt having to you know do this yourself over the years? Any any sort of standout things that you think you've you've, <laughs> you've grown or taken away from doing this, uh, you know, getting involved in this sort of thing? Mm, okay, I have to think about that one. Um, so certainly, I think the things that I've learned mostly are the the things that are really time critical and important things that we sort of have to do well in our environment. So things like trauma resus or sepsis management. Um, uh, keeping up to date with modern anaesthetic practice, for example. So I've learned a lot of that stuff, but I, th I think the thing that I've learned mostly is that y you can't just take something out of the King Eddie's playbook and plug it into a small rural hospital. And so I think what I've really learned is, is, to, is to take all that information, really sit down, have a long, hard think about it, and think about how this could fit into your individual practice and then try yep. and move it forward. So like for a great example is massive transfusion, which, Roger, you've taught me a lot about over the years through coming here and listening to your podcast and your fabulous emails that you send out. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, we don't have a rotamin broom and, and we don't have platelets and we don't have um, lots of other things which, yep. you, you know, you guys use all the time. But it sort of allowed me to sort of see how you guys do it and and to sort of really adapt that to our environment so that we, we can't do exactly what the pros are doing, but we can hopefully approximate that and, and do as best as we possibly can in that situation rather than just sort of relying on what was sort of 20-year-old practice really, which is what we would have traditionally been doing before learning all the stuff from you guys. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something about um, uh, Rotem, I can't remember now. Um, yeah, a lot of places still don't have rotum, even big hospitals. So, and yeah. and, and the other that's the thing I was gonna say, most places don't have platelets. We don't have platelets either. So cool. Yeah. And obviously, bad. we don't have to wait six hours for the RFTs to fly them to us. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, so, um, if, if there's anyone out there who uh, has really just started out and listening to FOMED and and it, it gets a bit inspired and was, is thinking about maybe trying to do some some podcasting or or uh, some sort of foamy themselves do you have any um 
any tips so they can sort of shortcut making the mistakes that you've made over the years or learn just learn you know uh, learn the things that you've learned over the last few years in a short, shorter space of time what would you what advice would you give them yeah so I guess there's a few things I would say is that the first thing to do is to, is to find someone like Roger or myself because one thing I know about the people that are in the FOMED community is they're incredibly friendly and helpful and usually very generous with their time so um, pretty much most of the people that you listen to on these podcasts the super popular ones They've all helped up the rest of us along the way and, and they're very generous with their time. So I'm more than happy to get in touch with people and take take emails and questions about, you know, technical stuff for how to set it up or, you know, what yep. where, the, where the niche might be. I think that's probably a, a bit of a clue is to is to find your niche, find the thing that you're really passionate about. So you've done that, Roger, with your Obs and Gani podcast, which is great. Um, and some people may be into a, into a particular thing. There was a bit of an explosion in the FOMED world sort of five or ten years ago where everyone went off and did their own thing. And what's happened in the last couple of years is a lot of those ideas have coalesced into a couple of bigger podcasts. So yep. it, it may be that you could approach someone who's already got a pre-existing podcast. So if you've got a passion for, for pain relief, then maybe you're better off joining an anesthetics podcast and talking about it with that. Or yeah. if you're really interested in you know one particular thing, it, it may be good to start out by joining into another podcast because... It, it can be really quite disheartening if you start out a, a new venture like a blog or a podcast and you've got half a dozen people listening to it's it. Or Your or, mum your mom and your mother-in-law. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whereas if you join a bigger uh, one that's already established, um, it's quite satisfying. And you, the best thing about the phone is the back and forward with like, yeah. you put out a podcast or a blog and someone will send you information or yep. update you or ask you a question and it keeps you fresh and keeps you thinking. So. Yep. And um, you can always get the med students to do your research for you. Is my other tip. <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly, I haven't found many. I don't know. Maybe you know some that I don't, Casey. But I haven't found very many anaesthetic sort of based um, podcasts in my research. There's one guy from John Hopkins University in the, in the US who's got a really good one. But apart from journal editors reading out very dry sort of descriptions of what's coming up in their latest journal. Uh, you yeah, haven't found any sort of really good ones. Yeah, no, and that's that's why I'm so grateful for your podcast or this podcast because, um, yeah, there was really not much out there if you were interested in listening to anything other than, yeah, like you say, pretty yeah. pretty abstract stuff. Um, Seems like the emergency uh, medicine world has really taken us on board more than maybe critical care like ICU and things. It seems to have been the big adopters so far. Yeah, I think that's very much personality driven in that there just happen to be people <laughs> at the, who are very super keen that sort of became super users um, in yeah. the last sort of 10 years. So, yeah. Um, so the guys that run the SMAC conference are a great example of that. Yeah. Actually, I tell I've just remembered. So the other one that I did, uh, that I have found really good is a, a British-based one called Top Med Talk, which is actually perioperative medicine, uh, but they are re- they're, they're really, um, uh, really interesting. So if you have anything to do with surgical patients or perioperative medicine, so it's not just for anesthesiologists. Uh, that's a really good one, and it's uh, really well done. Cool. I'll add that any to other, my feed. Have you got any other ones that you want to recommend, Casey, while we're on that topic? Podcast? Um, yeah. Yeah, so if you're into emergency medicine, I think um, there's a couple of really good ones if you want to keep up to date. Um, probably my favourite blog is my mate Justin runs the first 10 EM one. That's yep. just a really nice evidence-based and some deep dives into literature. Um, obviously, the MCRIT one is really good as well. Um there's a couple of good uh, GP ones that are run as well. So there's um, the Good GP and a few others that, if you're into general practice, people could listen to. Um, those are the main ones that I listen to. There's a lot of really great ED ones out there, and um, probably my top three would be ERCast, um, MCRIT, and uh, the, the the Skeptics Guide to Emergency Medicine, which is a really nice uh, evidence-based discussion of 
modern practice and um, it's run by a few Canadians, which uh, my mate Ken is a very friendly host. Yep. Yep. And you can listen to Just Medicine as well. So I, I sometimes listen to Hamish Nandy and uh, <laughs> there's a great one that uh, one of our um, current fellows, uh, Maya Calvert, recommended, which is called uh, No Such Thing as a Fish. Okay. And that's really very entertaining. I think it's, the, the, it's a British-based one from uh, the show Q&A that the BBC have. Well, I think it's the BBC. Cool. But that's really entertaining. So. Yeah, yeah. I think you've got to do diverse podcasts. So I've, I've been addicted to history podcasts recently, so I've been listening to all sorts of like, medieval history. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, recommend a few of those <laughs> if, you're, if you're into it. <laughs> all right. Thanks for coming on the show, Cassie. Any final parting words of advice? No, I think uh, if you're keen, get out there, send us an email. I can, and pro- probably there's a lot of people that can can help you get involved, and uh, a lot of people that act as glue in this community. So if you're keen, uh, give us a bell, and we can put you in touch with the right people. Okay, thanks, Casey. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please go to the iTunes menu and subscribe to the show if you like it. Write a review. This will also help us uh, get seen by other listeners on the iTunes menu. If you're also interested, please go to our website at www.opsandguinecritcare.org where there will be lots of show notes and links to uh, interesting videos related to the topic that you've just listened to. See you again next time.